P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 173 of CNC Natter, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons. I shouldn't be as lively as I am because I've had a busy weekend watching and digesting the draft. And as we all know, the draft is... Uh, we have to wash it down, don't you? It's very hard. It's the red meat of uh, NFL experiences. It's very hard to digest, I think, over one sitting and it lasts an entire weekend. So... Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor. Uh, my name's Paul Hirons. I do know that. And I do know that with me is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. You leave the metaphors to me, my son. Please rescue me from metaphor hell there. I was drifting away on the current of metaphor there. Again, that's a metaphor of a metaphor. Jesus, what's wrong with me? Stop me now. How are you, lad? You, you said you've been digesting the draft like a bit of red meat. It's been a, you enjoyed the weekend, have you? Um, yes, I, I kind of do, but then you get hyped up for this is probably just me talking because I know lots of people out there get really excited and watch it all and get really into it and stay up all night and all that kind of stuff. But I must say, you know, you get hyped up for it and then you start watching it and it's like, oh, this is actually really dull, isn't it? <laughs> this is really boring. It's just people essentially reporting what other people have spoken uh, about on the telephone, really. Um... So, yeah, it's it happens every year. I get really excited and then uh, get crushed by the weight of the actual reality of what the draft is. And um, so I dipped in and out. I didn't stay up for the first two nights. Um, and uh, I was at my brother's house sitting this weekend. So I had three dogs and a chicken to look after. Um, so that kept me entertained and, and busy. Um, what about you? Did you did you end up staying up? Um, I, was, I was out Thursday night for some drinks. So I stayed up until the middle of the first round, and then I just part. I was like trying to sort of keep my eyes open, but you're talking about three in the morning, and enough was enough, son. I just that that was me done. Enough was enough. What about Friday night? Did you did you do anything on that? Did you stay? No, I, mean, it's, it's, I think in the past I've always been up for it because the Bengals have been sort of picking fairly early on. But when they're picking at thirty one, I mean, I know they moved up in the second round, but you know it, it's hard to sort of. I don't know. I was just thinking I'm, I'm going to be up all night again because it started a little bit early, didn't it? The the second and mm. third rounds, but you just I don't know. You, you're still talking sort of middle of the night type of job, aren't you? Exactly. Uh, but of course, if uh, regular listeners and followers and those part of the Bengals UK community will know that we did do our Good Morning Bengals each morning after each of the Thursday and Friday night rounds at 8am in the morning. And uh, you must have seen Jamie uh, Rowe and Andrew Dockerall who stayed up and battled through the entire thing so kudos to them and also dastardly duncan joined us on the on the sunday he was he was up for most of it as well um so i tip my hat to you if you did manage to stay the course and stay up and uh cross-check your own mock drafts and your big boards that you'd constructed yourself and 
Um, it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, t- today for this episode, we had two draft episodes last week, didn't we? And um, um, we're very lucky to speak with Logan Hall. Um, and as you'll find, well, you must know by now that, that didn't, he didn't fall to the Bengals. He was selected with the first pick of the second round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we will see Logan uh, against Cincinnati this year, which is a bit of a shame. But there we go. We wish him well. Uh, well, not during that game, obviously, but we do wish him well. Um, so we're just going to talk because we haven't heard from you, Nathan. Uh, we've heard from everyone else. And as ever, you arrive fashionably late. And I want your hot takes on the weekend. Um, because I think it didn't quite go how we all thought it would did it i don't know um it's a bit of a it's not a head scratching draft for me but it was kind of like oh okay that kind of draft do you know what i mean was it the same for you i i think so it, very average to above average wasn't it? it wasn't any there's no blockbuster picks in there there's no necessarily shocking picks in there i think we all sort of felt the position was going to be a defensive back very much probably a cornerback but um, that was addressed very early on. I, you'd heard rumours about the Bengals very, very much wanting to, you know, they'd loaded up on offensive um, guys in free agency, so the draft was going to be very much defence-heavy, and it absolutely was. Um, surprised they traded up twice. I mean, it's a very thin draft class in terms of only six people drafted. That's mm. unusual for the Bengals. They don't normally like to trade back in the past rather than up. Um, like I said, it's pretty good. It, it's not great. There's nothing, there's no one out of all the picks that blows my socks off. Can't believe we, you know, he fell to us type player, but that's fine. Um, drafted the positions of need. Surprised they didn't go wide receiver or tight end. I was really surprised about that and punter as well. I thought that, that they might be positions that they would look to draft. Um, so that's slightly confusing to me, certainly at wide receiver, because I think the depth behind the front three is a little bit a little bit thin. And if anything was to happen injury-wise there, which we, you know, touch wood, it won't. But if it does, I think you're looking a little bit dicey. So pretty solid all round. I, you're looking at us. I mean, I'm not going to sort of give away a grade too early, but it, it's pretty good, isn't it? But yeah. nothing to blow your socks off. No, and I think you're right. Um and I also think you're right. This this draft was all about depth, really, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. And that doesn't get the blood flowing, doesn't it? It doesn't stiffen the 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 <laughs> sinews. I was uh, let me finish that sentence. Uh, it doesn't stiffen the sinews. It doesn't make you punch the air, going, "Oh, look at that! We've got that geezer there." You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, yeah, we've yeah, got kind of everything really. we really needed. And I guess that is the curse of having a good team and something that we're not used to uh, recently so it's like yeah when you couple that with the fact that we only got six picks and i think i mentioned this during good uh, morning uh bengals the fact that you know as a fan you love to see god imagine being a ravens fan i mean i mean it's a horrible thought obviously but imagine for this point specifically imagine being a ravens fan and having stuff like a couple of first round picks four picks was it four? No, it was six. Six picks in the fourth round. I got the what the wrong way around. Six picks, and I mean, can you imagine that? That must be so yeah. much fun. And as fans, we want to see our teams picking. But of course, as you mentioned, they the Bengals traded up twice in this draft, uh, so they forfeited or kind of swapped in uh, their sixth and uh, 
the start uh, the, the, the one of the picks in the seventh so therefore suddenly instead of eight picks you're looking at six so the draft experience I mean the Bengals don't care for, for this at all they just wanted to get the best players this doesn't even correlate with it but as a fan and as a fan experience it's like god I've got to wait like about an hour and a half now for the next pick you know what I mean or even more because like you know it's uh, you want those picks coming thick and fast don't you Hundred percent. I mean, I think as well the Bengals have learned from the past because it's all well and good having eight, nine, ten picks or anything like that. But you've got to get the guys onto the roster, and you look at the depth we've got. And as you mentioned, it's a good team. And I think if you had nine, ten guys coming through, you're going to end up cutting some of those guys that you've drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And you don't really want to be doing that that early on with just one training camp under your belt. So if they really felt a guy like Cam Taylor Britt was worth sacrificing a later round pick for, then I think you've got to say. Fair enough, but obviously it does put that extra tiny bit more pressure on um, the guys to deliver when you've um, forfeited a pick to move up and get them. Yeah, as I say, this this draft was all about depth. It wasn't about necess- you know necessarily starters straight away. Uh, it was all about you know adding bulking out those uh, certainly defensive rooms with young, athletic, versatile talent. And uh, you look at some of the names and the profile, athletic. Profiles are some of the names that uh, we drafted, and it's like, well, bloody hell, we've just got a heck of a lot more athletic on defense. We've just got a heck of a lot faster on defense as well. And uh, obviously, Lou, this is the thing as well. Um, I think any other year, do you, I mean, here's a question, right? If the Bengals were rubbish again, you know, which they were before last year, let's just say, for a couple of years, uh, and towards the end of Marvin's tenure, do you think this draft uh, would have gone down as well with the fan base as it is now? Because I see a lot of people going, yeah, but, you know, he can fill in here, he can fill in there, and, you know, he's he's very athletic, which, which to me, is code for, uh, in some context, code for... I'm actually quite disappointed by this player or, you know what I mean? It, you know, I'm trying to say it's kind of, yeah. I mean, you look back to all those mock drafts that you were seeing Bengals fans putting out on Twitter, a lot of names on there. And, you know, you talked earlier about Logan Hall and some players that were regularly being mocked to the Bengals. There wasn't many of those guys there. It was a couple of guys that people hadn't necessarily paid too much attention for some players just sort of bubbling around the surface. And I think as well to obviously have two less players, um, to analyse, I guess, is, you know, another thing. But I think it's a really interesting point because obviously they've been fantastic. The Bengals last year, they've really taken steps forward and you know, they made the Super Bowl, um, for God's sake. But I do think you're right. I think if this was a season when, you know, we'd, we'd won four games last year and you looked at that draft, I think people would be scratching their head a little bit more, even if it did fill positions of knees. Not saying they'd be slating it. I think it's hard to slate that draft. You look at Daxton Hill and Cam Taylor-Britt, the top two sort of headline picks, they're both taken in the range that people were expecting them to go. Yeah. You know, Daxton Hill was rounds one to two. Obviously, we got him at 31. Cam Taylor-Britt, round two to three pick. You get him at the end of round two. I don't think that's there's any sort of bad value there. We we did need depth at safety with Von Bell and Jesse Bates being out of contract fairly soon. And obviously we needed a cornerback um, just to sort of flesh out the depth in that room. So again, it, it, 
it's solid and unspectacular. And you know what? Sometimes when you come out of a draft and you think it's been spectacular and, um, you know, you talk about the Ravens or whoever else that might have had fantastic drafts, you've got to wait and see. There's a lot of these guys that are big, you know, very much hyped up and whatever else, but actually don't necessarily materialize. So if Daxton Hill and Cam Taylor Britt turn into two solid starters for us across the next five to eight years, you'd look back and say, fantastic. It doesn't need to be flashy, even though obviously the draft and a lot of fans would perhaps want it to be. Yeah, and I should say the counter-argument to my point would be, well, this kind of draft wouldn't have happened if we would have had a bad team. Do you know what I mean? We would have gone for the headline makers. We would have gone for the consensus top whatever players and the players that you know grabbed all the headlines during the mock drafts. Instead, as I say, we kind of drafted for depth. We drafted for versatility. And... Um, like you say, we can't really argue against that, really. And I do think, um, uh, you know, the Bengals have earned a lot of money. They've got a lot of credit in the bank at the moment. Um, do you know what I mean? And people are willing to trust them now, you know, whereas before they perhaps didn't. But now they're trusting the recruitment team. They're, they're trusting Duke Tobin to get it right. They're trusting Lou Anarumu to... To do to work his magic with these guys like he did with his group last year, um, and I think that's got a lot to do with it as well. It's people are going, okay, yeah, let's, okay, Lou, go for it. You know, do whatever you want to do. They've got a lot of credit in the bank in terms of trust and respect uh, after last year's uh, fantastic Super Bowl run. And why shouldn't they? They absolutely have earned that, especially Lou. I think um, the, the only thing I would say with that, though, I mean, and it's a fair point. But the one thing I would say to it is you look back and this is why I think it's an interesting draft for the Bengals because 2020, you had the first overall pick, even 2019, you drafted 11th overall, 2021, you drafted fifth. It's easy. I mean, you look back to those drafts, everyone and their mother would have taken Joe Burrow number one overall. There was just yeah. no doubt about that. It was a slam dunk pick. Pick. We were the worst team in the NFL the season before. You have a generational talent sat there at number one. You you take him. I think anyone, any any GM around the league would have taken Joe Burrow. Pick 33 is a little bit more difficult. Obviously, they did very well with that with T Higgins. And then 65, you got Logan Wilson. They were three fantastic picks in that draft. But again, you've you got that extra value because you're picking number one every single round. So, you know, fair enough. Obviously, Jamar Chase, that was pretty much down to Chase versus Saul. I still think Panay Saul could be a very, very good tackle. Chase was the right pick for us. He's been fantastic. The, the jury's still very much out on the 2021 draft. You know, you look at Jackson Carmen, that that he hasn't looked great. Joseph Asai has been injured. Cam Sample looks okay. You know, and then you start going through the rest of it. The only player really that you could say has done much in that is Evan McPherson, who's been fantastic. Mm, but mm. I do think that to say, well, the Bengals front office, you trust them now from a drafting perspective. I still think the jury's out on that. I think you've had two pretty good drafts, obviously massively highlighted by, you know, franchise players like Burrow and Chase. But when you're drafting that early on and the picks, they're almost in your lap. You know, it's it's yeah, getting value. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's getting value out of those like later round players that really sort of <laughs> sets you apart. It's people like Marcus Bailey, yeah. seventh round guy from Purdue that comes in and you're like, can he get on the team? And he has, and he's playing and he's looked fairly good. It's people like that. If people like for next year, you want people like Tyler Shelvin to step up. People like, yes. you know, Chris Evans to step up, Wyatt Hubert to step up. 
club. And that's when you can really look at those drafts and say, you know, they were great. I think Chase and Burrow, as good as they are, you can't really give too much credit to Duke Tobin in the front office because they're in your lap. You know, you're, you're realistically, you'd need to do a lot wrong to have not taken them. Um, but I think you look back to the 2019 draft, 2018, 2017, there's not much to pick out of that. And that's that's where I think that um, we need to be looking at this draft and saying, look, can Tyson Anderson, Jeffrey Gunter, some of these later round picks, can we get a bit of a slam dunk a la someone like Geno Atkins in the past on something like that? Because that, that's what you really need is to sort of get the talent from the back end of the draft where no one else is looking. Yeah, I still think they. I mean, a Super Bowl run kind of, you know, alters all perception, doesn't it? Really, one hundred percent. Yeah, you. Got, yeah, the, yeah, the main yeah. thing the Bengals did in that respect was they absolutely nailed free agency the last couple of years. That's something that you know they've never really done in the past, and they've just done an exceptional job. I mean, last year's free agency hall was one of the best, if not the best, ever in the Bengals history. So paired with the high drafts, I mean, that's that's why we got the Super Bowl season and through good coaching. But, you know, we've got to build on that. Where you you really want, if we could have a good draft this time round and obviously all these guys can contribute and be, you know, good players for the next couple of years. I mean, that would just really start to give us a bit of longevity on these, you know, playoff runs and playoff appearances. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's go through the picks real quick. I know you've heard uh, everyone talk about go through each pick, grade each pick, but let's, let's just call it Nathan's, Nathan's verdict um, for this. Um, Daxton Hill, pick 31. Interestingly, uh, a lot of people had Daxton Hill down as... And we mentioned him before, and we kind of poo-pooed the nature of... Um, why why just why draft a hybrid guy when you can go for an outside corner, which is our obvious need? But this felt, to me, like the true best player available scenario because uh hill is reckoned to be a top 20 talent and because of his versatility perhaps fell a little bit to um to that spot although you know most mocks were you know and big boards had him around that uh around that spot but if you listen to the the press conference that zach and lou gave they they kind of had no idea that uh where they or what they were going to do with him which is was kind of interesting which says to me that this this is a best player available. They weren't ex- necessarily expecting him to be there, but he was the man on their boards, the highest player on their boards. Kind of fills a need, especially when you look at the safety situation after next season. Uh, so why not go for him? And the consensus is that he's a heck of a football player. So why not? Um, was that your reading of the situation? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they love the versatility, don't they? I think that sort of goes through the whole draft. Um, Daxon Hill, like I said before, he, he almost, I mean, everyone was saying sort of end of round one for someone like him. A lot of people, I know Joe Goodbury had him um, rated a lot higher than that, but a lot, a lot of people that it felt like a sort of the right fit in terms of depth. He's obviously very, very fast, versatile, can cover. Um, I think the knocks on him were that he's perhaps not an explosive tackler. You know, has he got the sort of strength and the sort of flair necessarily to sort of, you know, move forward at that at the next level? But you think he was playing at Michigan, that you know, in the Big Ten, a lot of good teams week in, week out. Um, you know, he's productive. He, funnily enough, he's also the brother of, um, you know, Justice Hill, the running yes, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a bit of a funny nugget I didn't know about. But, um yeah, I, like you said, I don't think he makes us better now. I don't think you'd hope he doesn't play that much, you know, a bit in here and See, there. See, I but... think he will. I think he will. I think Lou will be licking his chops as to where he can use him because 
you know, suddenly he's got, again, you look at the way, again, I mentioned this on uh, Good Morning Bengals, um, the way they beat the Chiefs and the Ravens, they loaded up on the, certainly the Chiefs rather, so let's leave the Ravens out, but certainly the Chiefs, uh, and look at the, the teams that are playing with their aerial attacks this year. Having sort of six, seven really decent defensive backs in your arsenal is going to be um, yep. a good thing. And I think I think he will play quite a bit. You know, whether it be three safety looks or whether he's going to be in the dime or the nickel, whatever. I think, yep. I mean, there's also been talk of him playing on the outside, which he's not really done before, but he has the measurables to do so. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think he will play a bit, actually. I think he will. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a solid, he's a really, feels like a solid pick. You, you watch the videos of him, you read about him. I mean, there was, like you said, we're um, talking about him potentially playing on the outside. There's some um, NFC mm. executive that was saying, look, you know, he, he thinks he's got the, you know, the raw ability to just be a cornerback. So I think Lou's going to love the versatility there if there's injuries. You know, we were we got lucky last year with injuries. So if we do this year have a few people go down, it's fantastic that people can be versatile and move into different positions. And I think all around it, it just, it, I know there's no safe, the, the, such thing as a safe pick in the draft but i'd say this felt quite safe yeah, right yeah. sort of value position of need you know so- solid pick right round two into the second round obviously because i just said round two uh pick 60 like the likes of logan hall and andrew booth my prediction for the bengals first round pick went early in the second round our old chum logan hall went first pick as we mentioned earlier and uh, the bengals moved on up didn't they? They moved on up to take Cam Taylor Britt. I wasn't surprised they took Taylor Britt at all because, you know, he was a name that's been mentioned yeah. throughout the whole process. They met with him. Uh, you kept hearing that name all the way through the mocks and the, the journalists. And so that wasn't a surprise to me that he got selected. Um, interesting that they moved up for him, though. Yeah, unusual for the Bengals. They must have had some intel to say that someone in front of them was looking at him and they particularly liked him and thought he'd be a good fit. I mean, he kind of fits that mould that under Zach Taylor they've really drafted. He's a team captain, three-year starter. Um, but no, I know it was surprising to see the move up for him. It wasn't like there was some sort of, you know, like a Logan Hall or someone like that had fallen down in the second round. They thought, cool, blimey, this is just too good to be true. We've got to sort of sneak up and go and get him. You, you kind of felt like they possibly could have got Taylor Britt if they just stayed there. But obviously, you know, you don't know what they're hearing in terms of people ahead of them looking for someone. And they very much needed, um, you know, a cornerback really in there. And he, again, he's versatile. I mean, he, you know, he can play a bit of safety as well, which Lou will like, you know, solid ball skills and stuff. So, again, it's solid pick. I, you know, you, it wasn't a huge amount to give up. It was only a few spots to jump up. But, again, another sort of solid, as you mentioned, someone that's been mocked to the Bengals a few times. Solid pick. Yeah, I kind of like him. He's got a great personality. I mean, if you listen to some of the interviews, he was extraordinarily excited to come to Cincinnati, and who wouldn't, let's face it. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, people posting clips of him and uh, you know on the field and his play, he's got fantastic closing speed, got really good speed. And that's shown in his 40-yard dash, 4.38. And this was really the first... Um, of the Bengals' really athletic uh, selections. Um, 
you know, amazing, really, some of the, the 40 times and the, and the shuttle time, times and whatnot. They, they've really drafted a whole bunch of athletic uh, uh, fellas, really. Again, Daxton Hill was a 4.38, 40-yard dash guy. So, yeah, I had, I, in fact, you know what? I think out of all the picks, I'm excited by Cam Taylor-Britt the most. I'd give that pick an A because it fills a need, first and foremost. Um, they fill it with someone who they obviously loved and they've gone out and got him. And that's... Again, slightly unusual for the Bengals, but you know they they got their guy, which was impressive. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like you said, perfectly fits a need. Uh, I, I love the fact that Zach Taylor is prioritising going out and getting these high character mm. guys that are team captains, and you you want those type of guys on your team. It helps mm. the the chemistry, you know, the leadership and stuff like that on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, love to see that. And by all accounts, looks seems like a great guy. Into round three, uh, pick 95, Zach Carter, the defensive lineman from Florida. Again, uh, it goes back to that sort of uh, Morecambe and Wise, uh, Andre Previn sketch. It's all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. And um, Zach Carter, I think, is perhaps the most contentious one. A lot of people thought they reached for him. Uh, A lot of people had him down in the fourth or fifth round, certainly. Uh, and then a lot of people were like, well, you know, he's a poor person's Logan Hall. He's someone that can yeah. rush from the outside, uh, rush from the three-tech p- position, um, exactly like Logan Hall, you know. So, again, a more unheralded pick, perhaps a bit of a reach. But, again, you know, it's it's the type of player that they were looking for and they got him in the third. And they have a pretty good record of drafting defensive linemen in the third and fourth round. So even though perhaps that was kind of like, who the hell is Zach Carter? You know, with all due respect to Zach, um, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they've got the kind of type of player that uh, that they were looking for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said, I mean, good size and skill type player. Again, it fills a position of need. They needed to sort of stock up on the defensive line. Um, he's played for three years, consistently improved. I, I think he's a solid sign. The, I think once you start getting into guys that are sort of graded, and I know obviously we took him um, in round three, but he's sort of had a ground, round four or five grade. You've got to just see how these picks pan out. This is where the scouts have got to earn their money, you know. But... Um, yeah, I think, you know, he played at Florida. Florida's a pretty good college. He'd have been playing some fierce competition week in, week out. Probably around early. Um, but, by, you know, from what I've watched of him, seems like a good player. And fingers crossed some. Yeah, exactly. And again, the key word is versatility. They can move him yeah. up and down the line. Uh, the knock that I heard is like kind of, well, we've already got something like that. And that is Cam Sample. I just wish that, you know, because Perry and Winfrey was... Or as Oprah, as I like to call him, was there, um, was there in the third still, and they could have picked him up. And he's more of a true defensive tackle, you know. Um, I tell you what, there's a lot of young lads on the Bengals' um, defensive line now. You look even just in the last two drafts. You got Joseph Asai, you got Cam Sample, Tyler Shelvin, you got Wyatt Hubert, you got Zach Carter. Obviously, you got Jeffrey Gunter that we'll come on to in a minute. But there's a lot of young lads there yeah. fighting for fighting for their roster spots. You know, and is there going to be room for all of them? Well, no. I mean, Khalid Kareem, you can you can um, can throw in there as well. And, yeah, true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, no, they were not. You know, not everyone. Everyone's going to make it, but I like the fact there's going to be pretty stiff competition. They all look like yep. stand-up guys on the yep, uh, on yep. their defensive line. Is that uh, Jeff Hobson there? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Jamar. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Isn't it great when uh, Jeff Hobson says Jamar on his Boston accent? It's one do, of the true do, pleasures do, in life, I think. I have been meaning to say this on this podcast for months. Yeah. There was an interview with Joe Burrow where Hobson asks him a question. Yeah. And I think very subtly that Joe Burrow did that Jamar. Oh, really? Type. Yeah, but he sort of said it sort of and then half stopped himself halfway through and then Carol, no one picked up on it. But I swear he was doing it as a bit of a nod to Jeff Hobson. Who wouldn't? Um, Who wouldn't? Jeff is a legend. I have to dig uh, it out, but fantastic accent. Actually, we should get Jeff back on really pretty soon. It's always uh, it's always good fun to speak with Jeff. Um, mm. OK, um, round four, pick one, three, six, Cordell, Volson. They went offence and I was a bit surprised by this. I I honestly didn't think they were going to go offensive line at all, actually, in this draft. And I, I this was the round I thought either tight end or wide receiver. Um, yeah. And I did kind of think, oh, you know, Charlie Kohler, you know, one of my favourites. And he went to the Ravens. Damn those Ravens with those six fourth round picks. Goodness me, two tight ends. That's not fair. That's cheating. Um, but Cordell Volson, they dipped into the offensive line. Now, um, what did you think of the pick? I wasn't madly keen. I think it's easy, you know, to sort of turn around and say, well, you know, look at his tape. He's an aggressive guy and he's got a lot of potential, but a bit raw. But it's definitely a big, big reach. I mean, I think most people had him anywhere between sort of round six was about the highest I could see to being an, un, you know, restricted free agent, um, sort of a priority free agent after the draft. But I don't know. I mean, the thing with the Bengals and the offensive line is you, they they took Jackson Carmen right at the start of the second round. That felt like a reach. But I remember when he was drafted, you sort of felt, well, you know, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they really they could be able to develop this guy, the scouting team. And obviously Frank Pollock and the offensive line coach, that's someone he wants. You want to trust him. But from what we've seen of Jackson Carmen, it's early, but hasn't been great. And, you look back, and I know this is, I did a bit on this before we came on um, and started recording, but you look back to since the Bengals drafted Kevin Zeitler, who's a fantastic player. You look at the offensive linemen they've drafted over the last couple of years. Tanner Hawkinson, round five. Russell Bedayan, round four. Cedric Abwehi, um, Jake Fisher, Westerman. A guy called JJ Dealman. Yes. For the diehards out there, I, I did not remember him. Billy Price, Rod Taylor, Jonah Williams, probably the only guy you'd say that's amounted to anything in this list. Then Michael Jordan, Akeem Adenogy, Jackson Carmen, Dante Smith. And you're talking 12, 13 players there, and there's only one in Jonah Williams that you would say is really an, an average to anything better than that starter. So when you're taking a guy potentially two, maybe even three rounds early, I do think that you know you maybe have to ask questions. Sure, he's right, he's raw. There may be a you know high ceiling to him there, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not. You'd like to trust the Bengals in that situation, but having you know you were looking back on what they've done in the past with that, it it is slightly a head scratcher. I would say. I do wonder. Uh, we mentioned Jackson Carmen, and on the eve of the draft, uh, a journalist wrote a story. I was going to say about that, yeah. Uh, about uh, an alleged sexual assault that uh, 
Jackson Carmen perpetrated when he was 18 upon a 15-year-old uh, girl. And uh, if, you read, if you read the article, it was a sickener because this journalist yeah, did a really, really good job when it came to research and she laid it all out there and some of the details were absolutely, you know, pretty stomach-churning, I have to say. Uh, but then she went on to have a go at the Bengals because you know they haven't got a you know they haven't got a big scouting department, and you know surely this was the reason they missed. I think I think the issue here is about consensuality more than the Bengals. If I'm being honest with you, they're not culpable in Jackson this particular story of sexual assault. It's whether you know Jackson Carmen obviously uh, said that it was consensual. Uh, and uh, the person who accused him, the survivor, the alleged survivor of sexual assault, said that uh, she was raped. So, but and you know, there was lots of scouts who said there were red flags with Carmen, regardless because of poor attendance record. He could be uh, immature and blah blah blah. You know. So, um, and I did ask the question um, on Good Morning Bengals whether. Uh, you know whether whether the whole Jackson Carmen story would affect the way they drafted. Perhaps they would draft an offensive lineman where previously they perhaps wouldn't. I do wonder whether this happened with Cordell Volson, and this is just me thinking. It's just pure thinking and speculation. Maybe they had Cordell Volson lined up a little bit and again loved the guy and wanted him and all the but if you listen to frank pollock's uh the now infamous shit in his neck <laughs> uh interview about the type of lineman he likes uh, ja uh cordell volson seems to fit that really you know rugged blue collar no nonsense yeah kind of you know hard man who is a bit insane in the membrane <laughs> And who is just who just loves, you know, destroying other um, his opponent. You know, uh, it just seemed to me. And uh, Jay Morrison said this on here this podcast, growling. Um, and I agree with Jay. I listened to Frank Carmen. He was he was on a proper rant about what it takes to be an offensive lineman. He said he doesn't care whether your measurables are great, your athleticism are great, because Cordell Volson's measurables don't. You know they're not great, and he's he looks to be better in the run game rather than pass protection. So that's going to be quite interesting. But he does destroy people, and he seems to take great pleasure from destroying people. Um, but yeah, just listen to Frank Pollack. It was just like I wonder if the you know just saying this is what it takes to be an uh, an offensive lineman. You've got to have shit in your neck. You've got whatever the hell that means. I don't know. We well, still don't know what that means. But I think it's that competitive, nasty, dirty edge. You know what I mean? Um, which well, it's a bit like you sound a bit like yourself. Somewhere well, talking about yeah, weight. No, I have checked for shit in my neck today, and I couldn't find any. But uh, I'll check again later. Um, but you know what I mean. But I was listening to that, thinking, God, he's having a bit of a pop at Jackson Carmen here, almost saying, "You've got to pull your socks off." my son, because this horrible stuff has come out. You're damn lucky to be on this team, um, both in a footballing sense and an intangible sense, and you've got to pull your finger out, you know? You've got to not just pull your socks up, you've got to pull your finger out as well. You've got to pull everything out, Jackson Carmen, 
because it's you know it is a horrible story and for all the you know stuff that we said about Deshaun Watson this is right up there you know this yeah, is no, truly yeah, 100%. truly yeah. right up there and he yeah. is you know damn lucky to be on this team quite frankly um you, I mean you have to feel and this is where the Bengals are going to get a little bit of flack here because I doubt that article coming out is the first the Bengals have heard of it. If it is, you'd be asking questions. I mean, you'd almost like to think it was because then it would, you know, sort of insinuate the Bengals um, wouldn't necessarily go and draft a player like that. But you'd like to think that with the amount of personnel they've got and the intel they've got, that they would have probably been aware of that situation. But it's not, I mean, it, what do you do? I mean, exactly, you said you talk about Deshaun Watson and, you know, people boycotting the Browns because of a situation like that. I mean, it's a, like you said, it was a very, very horrible read. Mm. Awful allegations. You know, you don't want someone like that on the team. You, you you sort of factor that in with what you said in the past with some of the red flags and the poor performance last year. I, I mean, he's going to be fighting for his roster spot, Jackson Carmen. Yeah, and that's yeah. not just with his play on the field. I know it was a second round pick and it was a high second round pick last year. But, but this is where, you know... I don't know. I, I, do you get rid? Do you just cut him? I mean, well, I think I think, I think probably, a lot of people want him to be cut. Just yeah. uh, you know, but I guess with, from the Bengals side of things, you know, he was cleared of all uh, yeah impropriety. Having sex with a fifteen-year-old is not illegal. Uh, where he had sex, uh, whether it was consensual or not, it wasn't illegal where he was in that state. Um, so I guess you know. From a Bengals perspective, however unsavoury it is, uh, and how horrible the story is, and you do feel for the survivor and praise her courage for coming forward uh, and telling a story. um, It's kind of like, well, you know, he, it was yeah, unsavoury, but he, lawful, it wasn't unlawful, you know. Um, according to that, the that goes down the Deshaun like Watson route again, though, doesn't it? You yeah, know, that, that's but I, where you end up, you yeah. know, where it's like, well, no, it's legally, it's you know, I mean, <sighs> but the thing is with Deshaun Watson, he was he's the sec, uh, he was a predator, you know, this was a sequential, yeah, it's true, serial true, 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 predatory true. thing, uh, and I'm not sort of trying to rank the the horribleness and no, no, uh, heinousness no, a, of sexual yeah. assaults you know what I mean this is not some awful warped <laughs> chart show where I count down the worst types of sexual assault you know what I mean each one no, is yeah no nor each, is it an ethics podcast no that's right each one is is awful but yeah you're right they're all relative do you know what I mean and I don't know I don't know I I do going back to the point and we strayed off a little bit but you know the Cordell Volson thing um I don't, I don't it it seems to be like more kind of whereas Jackson Carmen was this athletic big shot from Clemson who had yeah, all the yeah. measurables and whatnot he didn't obviously have the we've heard about the maturity issues that have resurfaced within the Bengals uh that they did at college um, or at least according to one scout that he had image, you know, maturity issues and he didn't quite take everything on board his responsibility. That's what you hear. Um, Cordell of Olsen seems to be the exact opposite to that. He yep. is one of Frank Pollock's guys who, you know, rolls up his sleeves and gets stuck in, doesn't care. You know what I mean? Just sort of batters people, whatever. So I, I, it's it's an interesting discussion. I think I do wonder where I do wonder whether this pick was in in response to 
the the increasing, shall we say, uncertainty of Jackson Carmen on the roster going forward. Um, but yeah, that's just my two pennies worth. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the biggest thing with Cordell Volson is, I mean, you can look at him like quote unquote like destroying people on some of the you know some of the tape and stuff, but you just got to remember who North Dakota State are playing. I mean, they played a team last year called the Valparaiso Crusaders and beat them sixty four nil. So. I think there's got to yes. be, you know, it, yeah. it looks good there against that sort of level of opposition. But I think it's going to be a huge step up for him coming in. I mean, there's talk. Some people are talking about him starting. I mean, I think that's a massive reach yeah. at this stage. I mean, but, he's going to be in the competition, isn't he? Let's face it. Yeah, um, I mean, he's someone that I don't think you can go from, you know, realistically sort of the level he played at for the experience he's got and plug him in. He's someone that you'd hope maybe. Um, can have a good camp, maybe get a bit of rotational work, you know, if injuries mm. happen or whatever else. And then in a year or two's time, he's someone that, you know, grows to, into being a starter and you take your hat off to Frank Pollock. But I, again, it, this is when, it, like I said before, when it gets into this sort of the, the sort of neck of the woods in the draft, you've just got to trust your scouts. You've got to trust they've done the homework on them. There's, you know, none of us can confess to being an expert on Cordell Volson, apart from seeing a few videos and reading a few tidbits. But it did feel like a reach. I hope he turns out to be a diamond in the rough and Frank Pollock's done his maths. But, um, yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see, my son. And uh, round five, pick 166, Tyson Anderson saved another safety. It felt like the Bengals were trolling us by this uh, stage, or at least trolling the people that wanted uh, an offensive player, another offensive player, wide receiver at this stage. Uh, but no, they went for another safety. In fact, I campaigned for them to take another safety in round seven, just to piss everyone off, I think. Um, Tyson Anderson, another super-duper athletic guy. Uh, and if you look at him... He reminds me both in terms of stature and athleticism and where he was taken. Uh, he reminds me of George Aloka. Not quite as uh, rangy as Gorgeous George was, but, you know, he if he turns out to be half the player as as, as Aloka was, then that would be terrific work. And again, you hear about these intangibles with Tyson Anderson. Fantastic community guy. He t- I think this guy's done a masters in leadership i mean yeah what is that what is that for a start but he's got it and um so again in in with the intangibles it's uh, ticking all the boxes versatility this one i think this guy is more of a uh, downhill in the box sort of guy isn't he um so we'll have to wait and see but a very interesting addition and again kind of you know i think a bit of insurance policy for after next year i think this guy's going to be a brilliant special teams player to begin with yeah 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 uh, and yeah. then i wouldn't be surprised if he starts making an impact with some of the snaps that uh, he takes what what about i like that pick i did like that pick regardless it, of it's, good, it's good value i think that's one of the better value i mean there's some people that add him sort of rounds three and four so you'd look at that and say yeah fairly good value there and, and it's it's very similar to the rest of the draft these sort of versatile fast athletes with strong leadership skills i mean it just absolutely transcends through the entire draft class um i think like you said his role is going to be very much on special teams and i think you look at the roster and you look at the depth chart you got von bell and jesse bates you got daxton hill the guy that I think that's going to struggle and is going to be in a real fight in training camps, Brandon Wilson, he's going to yeah. be someone that really is going to have some competition on his hands there. So, 
Um, yeah, I think pretty, pretty solid pick there um, all round. Pretty good value as well. And finally, round seven, pick 252. It's not a punter. It's Jeffrey Gunter. <laughs> I like that song. Let's, let's, I know, I feel a song coming on. Because obviously the Bengals, uh, lots of Bengals fans <laughs> hoped they were going to pick pick up Matt Arazi or Ryan Stonehouse or the other guy that the, that the Ravens picked. Uh, four punters, I believe, went in this pick. And, uh, and also the Browns drafted a kicker like in the fourth round or something like that. And um, yeah. and as they again, the Bengals setting the trends. You know, they they realise that getting someone actually quite good uh, for and drafting it, you know, spending a draft pick on him uh, is actually a good uh, good practice because then you've got him for the next hopefully decade and he's going to be fantastic. So anyway, it, but it wasn't a punter; uh, it was Jeffrey Gunter, and um, <laughs> Jeffrey Gunter is an edge guy. Again, another high character chap. Uh, good athleticism. He's this year's White Hubert. It's going to be a right old ding dong to in terms of competition on that defensive line, as we mentioned earlier, isn't it? A hundred percent. And like I said, a lot of young guys that are going to be fighting for roster spots. And Jeffrey Gunter's by no means um, guaranteed a roster spot. He's really going to be in a fight with um, with some of those young guys to make the roster. And like you said, I think again, a bit like Tyson Anderson. Good value. I mean, Gunter was sort of rate, you know, roughly sort of put in between um, around sort of rounds five, six, and seven. You, you know, obviously got him in the seventh round. So it's quite solid. Nice to get, like we said um, last week, uh, uh, Coastal Carolina Chanticleer on the roster. Well, um, yeah, and then uh, we took and uh, we we managed to sign a few undrafted free agents from yes. the Chanticleers, and that makes, <laughs> uh, I believe, our Jamie Trequart Beaster pointed out that. Uh, uh, it's not a punter, it's Jeffrey Gunter. It was the first uh, Coastal Carolina Chanticleer to be drafted by the Bengals since the uh, the reefer-loving, somersaulting uh, nutcase that was Jerome Simpson. So You're stealing, um, that. You're stealing that from me, sir. I, I, made the, I, I asked you that you? last week. You, 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 didn't, didn't you be forgetting that? Sorry, I, I, it's been a long week, Nathan. It's been a long week. <laughs> it um, has been a long week, I'll tell you it that. Has, it has. So there's your draft class, only six picks. And I, I'd wonder, actually, two things. Um, if we'd have had the extra picks, I'm pretty convinced we would have taken a wide receiver or a or a tight end uh, with those two extra picks. I'm fairly convinced of that. Uh, but we didn't. They, they just went out and got who they got, and they were definitely drafting a type this year. And that was athletic, versatile, and uh, obviously a leader... And uh, they got a bunch of those again. So high character, very athletic and uh, uh, very versatile as well, which again has been used to describe me. Um, (laughs) Also, I do wonder whether, you know, these accusations of reaching and whatnot. um, Again, when you're picking six and you lose two picks, uh, in your draft hall, I think everything becomes a little bit squashed, so you have to move a bit quicker and a bit earlier. So that's my defence of that strategy. I uh, don't necessarily think it's the wrong or what right way to do it, but they did lose two picks, so they kind of thought, you know, uh, we've got to move. We've got to get the guys that we want or else we're going to lose out because there's going to be a huge gap in between, um, certainly the fifth and the seventh round. Uh, but I like the draft. Yeah, I'm going to give it... A C plus. 
Yeah, I was, you, I'm going to join you there, Sam. That's exactly where I'm. Where I, I think you could make an argument for a B minus. I think any, I don't think it's any better than that, but um, certainly, certainly solid. But again, if these players work out, you know, you look at the Ravens draft, for instance, and they've been. They, I think they drafted four guys who were touted, you know, were touted with first round talent, and uh, so on the face of it, they drafted some big names, and everybody went ooh, and yet they did a few head scratching things by drafting two tight ends. And yep. not address arguably their biggest weakness, which was wide receiver in a very deep wide receiver class. Uh, obviously, they traded uh, Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals, and um, and it's like, what are you doing, Baltimore? You know, you're you're obviously loading up to stop people st- scoring, but you you're hardly getting anyone to actually score any points for you. Um, yep. And I do wonder whether they're going to actually buck the trend and really double down on their running game next year, actually, um, rather than go yeah. the aerial route, which is uh, a lot of people are, are going next year. So, yeah, a few interesting tidbits from me there. You know, I like to you know, think about I, these just, things. Yeah. Just, just the one thing I think, on. I, obviously, you know, you can grade the picks they took, but how concerned are you? I mean, Punter's never going to be a mad concern. If we brought back Kevin Huber, I think everyone would be happy enough with that. Um, but how concerned are you that they didn't take a receiver? Because you look at the depth chart there, you've got your your golden three with Chase Higgins and Boyd. Behind them, you're looking at Stanley Morgan, Mike Thomas, Trent Taylor, Trenton Irwin. You, you know, how confident do you feel in that? Do you think there's anyone that could be brought in off the streets and potential free agents? Or yeah, you, I think content so. going into next season with Stanley Morgan or Mike Thomas as your sort of you know wide receiver four. I, I do you know what? I wondered whether they'd take a, a punt on uh, Justin Ross, who uh, yeah, this highly touted kid with unfortunately a congenital sort of spine thing, and he's been injured the last couple of years, but he's. Reckoned to be a top ten talent when on the field, and it's like, well, well, take a punt on him, you know, and draft, you know, sign him up as an undrafted free agent. But he went to the Chiefs. Um, yeah, a little bit, but I just think it's the way the way the board fell, the fact that they lost two picks, and they just went out and got players that they thought they were higher on. I mean, I think that's all it is, and you just got to go with that. Yeah. And I do think you know, wide rec- you can always pluck a few wide receivers from the streets. So if something God forbid, True. dreadful happens to one of our top three. I think you know Odell Beckham. So. Odell, Odell Beckham. Yeah, you know. So anyway, I think um, tight end as well. I mean, just uh, Hayden Hurst. We've talked about Hayden Hurst. I, the worry is if he goes down, you you're down to Drew Sample, Mitch Wilcox. There's not a huge amount of depth behind him either. I really felt like with the, the amount of um, supposed sort of um, value there was at tight end throughout the draft that would have probably been something the Bengals looked at but I, there was quite a run on tight ends they went quite early People yeah sort of... they did and again I think you know it's just the fact that that, that run on mini run mid round run on tight ends happened and yeah. you know it, it was just where the Bengals were picking and it's like you know we missed out on that really no through no fault of anybody Um I just think it's just, it's just the way the draft cookie crumbles, Nathan. You've got to just go with the flow, haven't you, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just quickly, before we get to your correspondence, we are, of course, at Hooday underscore UK and Bengals UK on Facebook. Uh, do drop us a line to say hello whenever you want, and we'll be getting to your correspondence in a second. Just a list of the, um, uh, the reported undrafted free agent list. We've got the... 
uh, Miami, Ohio wide receiver Jack Sorensen, uh, the Colorado linebacker Carson Wells, Florida Atlantic Owls offensive guard Desmond Noel, uh, the UTSA uh, linebacker Clarence Hicks, another Coastal Carolina player this time, running back Shamari Jones, old Mrs. Um, uh, uh, line, offensive lineman Ben Brown, Pittsburgh Panthers long snapper, uh, snapper? Uh, long snapper Cal Adomitis, Coastal Carolina again, wide receiver J- Javen Haley, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats tight end Justin Rigg. Kansas's uh, wide receiver Kwame Lassiter the uh, second, <laughs> Georgia Tech's offensive tackle Devin Cochran, uh, Ole Miss, back to Ole Miss again, and the defensive lineman Tariquius Tisdale. There's a name for them. Solid maybe. angle. That is a solid angle. And Washington Huskies defensive back Brendan Radley Hiles. So there's your undrafted free agents. That completes the class. Um, let's uh, and before I go get to your correspondence i've got to give a shout out to um uh dan malinowski or indeed dan malinowski i'm sorry if i mispronounced your name dan uh our friend ben at touchdown trips ran into him at the draft in vegas over the weekend and he works for united airlines lives in chicago and uh, is a bengals fan and get this he listens to the podcast and not only listens to it but he religiously listens to it and he loves it apparently so dan this uh, shout out to you thank you so much for listening uh, thank you dan and do get us some discounts on some united airlines flights when uh, Whenever you can, uh, but yes, uh, nice to hear that uh, that you're a fan, Dan. Dan the fan. We shall now recall you uh, from now on. Uh, let's uh, let's get to our correspondence. Dastardly Duncan at Dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. Snap grade C on the basis we gave up two picks and looked to have reached on two more. Obviously, it could get better or worse once they get on the field. To be honest, though, with where we picked and the positions we were going to upgrade. Uh, even a perfect draft might have only been a B plus, and that's a really good point. It's, it's that is a good point. Where you draft and what you can get hold of, um, and what collateral you have actually to kind of go up a little bit. And I did. I think they did the best with the the draft draft capital that they had. And um, yeah, uh, do you Jeff, know what, son? Do you know on. what? In terms of what you could have got up to a high B grade, I my boy, I was talking about him last week. Old George. Karolaftis, yes. yeah, I can't pronounce him. Oh, he almost, he almost dropped, didn't he? Nearly he? didn't. I said last week, I was like, someone like him, you know, a lot of people saying he's going to go 16, 15, 18, whatever else. He got to 30, and I was thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be massive, because I really think the Bengals might have taken a punt on him. Yeah, I agree. Um, at 31, but just missed. I think if you got him at 31, you'd have been feeling very, very good about yourself, and that's where you know, as close you perhaps could have come to a real sexy sort of, you know, high B grade if you'd landed a player like him. Yeah, I agree. One pick, man, that would have been amazing. But anyway, Jamie at Trequart Beaster, C-plus for me, purely vibe-based, like Hill, love Taylor Britt, meh to all else. Uh, Shaquille Ida Tally at Shaquille AFC, Um, not exactly how I thought it would pan out, but I think considering the identity we built, it's got to be a B at least. The fastest, most athletic and versatile defences in the league. We're built, we're built for the new NFL and I'm absolutely here for it. Shaq makes a really good point, actually. We've, we've drafted 
modern footballers. And what I mean by that, do you remember we had this discussion about a team having an identity? And I said, I don't think the Bengals have an identity. And that's actually not a bad thing in today's NFL because you need to be agile enough to counteract anything. You know, you can't be in a box all the time. You can't be a running team or a blitzing team or whatever. Do you know what I mean? You need lots of uh, versatile pieces in your armour. And I, I I think we we are that, you know. We are the Swiss army knife of NFL teams, you know. <laughs> I like it, Sam. Thank you. VB of Von Blade. Uh, Solid handle. Uh, bring back Larry and the grade is much better. But B+. Plus, we didn't need much more than secondary and a mauler, and we definitely ticked those boxes. Here, here, VB. Ken Davis at Ken S. Davis. Picking at 33 has its limitations. Giving it a C plus. Loved the first two. Overreaching on the next two. Decent last two. Would have preferred better balance between uh, defence and offence. I like the speed and hybrid nature of the backs, though. New NFL types. Exactly. That's what I'm getting out there. They're getting those hybrid boys that can do bits of everything and be on the field and do all sorts of crazy business. Um, Matt Lacey at MTT Lacey. Uh, solid. Generally, some high floor players define roles for each and should all make the team. There we go. And our old pal Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Um, card carrying member of the Volson Hive could be in the hall before wit. He's got shit in his neck. Uh, muscle, flexing muscle emoji. Yeah, well, apparently so, Phil. Uh, overall grade now, B minus. Overall grade in two years. Shrug of the shoulders emoji, and that's it, isn't it? That's a nice moment to end because who knows? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what we think, doesn't matter what all the draft nicks think, doesn't matter all the what the mock drafts and the and the big boards think, and now the draft analysis grading. It's about who the Bengals wanted and how they're going to turn out, how they're going to play on the field. And uh, I'm excited, man. I'm as I said, we've got a good team, and I think we've made it better. And I'm I'm excited to see. What happens, really? I think the point that they mentioned about the high floor is a good one. Certainly for those two, first two guys, it doesn't feel particularly risky, either one of those two, in positions of need. As you said, good talent, onwards and upwards. I think, you know, training camp, certainly on that defensive line, I'm going to be really, really interested watching that, seeing who sort of stands out and sort of steps up to make the team. But... Yeah, I think you, you summarise it very nicely, myself. Thank you. Um, right, another date for your diary is Wednesday, May the 4th. We're recording this on Monday, 2nd of May. This makes no sense to you if you listen to this on Friday, the 12th of May or or the 24th of June or whatever. But on the 4th of May, we get to find out who the London Games will feature. And there's been some speculation as to whether the Bengals will be one of those teams. And uh, if it was, they would be playing the Saints. So all eyes on the um, social feeds of NFL UK and the NFL and whoever's going to break the news, uh, because we will find out on Wednesday. And also the players are back, I believe, uh, some working out and some lifting and some general workout business uh, Paul Brown Stadium tomorrow, maybe today in fact, I'm not sure. But the players are starting to trickle in, there'll be rookie mini camps, there'll be OTAs, there'll be all sorts going on in the near future. We'll be, And uh, of course we'll be here next week, we're hoping for a really cool special guest. And the week after, just to keep up with things and, uh, uh, and speak to Nathan about uh, what he's been up to. Um, 
So we're looking forward to that. Welcome to all the Bengals draft class. We wish you the best of luck. And we also say thank you to you, the you, for listening this week. Uh, and I'll sign off by saying, as ever, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.